Army musters, more than just accounts. William Spencer, Principal Military Specialist, Advice and Records Knowledge Department, the National Archives. There are a large number of musters, what are called muster and pay lists, here at the National Archives at Kew, spread across um, seven different record series. What you need to understand about musters um, is the term. It means gathering together. So what the army was doing between when the records cover from 1708 to 1898 was to gather together individual uh, units so that they could account for their personnel. The personnel um, obviously were not always all present with the regiment at the time and so the musters record a wide variety of things. Although they are primarily concerned with accounting for individuals, they are even more uh, attuned to money. So uh, any muster uh, will give you an idea about how much an individual was paid, if any money was deducted. Um, in many cases, of course, the musters will tell you where they um, were taken. Um, it'll tell you more specifically if somebody was absent from a unit. So they're not just accounts in the, in the, the ordinary understood uh, sense of being just saying that a regiment had 55 men in it and they were paid 10 shillings um, every day for three weeks and then a, a shilling every day for the next 10 years. Um, they actually start telling you more about an individual in as much as where they came from and where they were paid, how much they were paid, if pay was deducted and the reasons why. So the, of all the key muster series, perhaps WO12, which is the musters for the British Army, the infantry, the cavalry and miscellaneous corps, so for example the Army Service Corps, between 1732 and 1878 are perhaps the most popular record series. Now what they can actually show you, um, of course they will tell you which series. So we have W10 for the Royal Artillery, 11 for the Engineers, 12 Infantry, the Militia uh, and Volunteers covering 1778 to 1878 in W013, Musters taken at the hospital at Scutari in WO14, for example. Um, after the um, changes and reforms to the army in the late 1880s, they must have changed. So actually WO16 covers 1877 to 1898, covers the whole of the British Army, so infantry, artillery, cavalry, and so on and so forth. So if we look um, at any given muster. It'll tell you in this case, this, this is the muster for the 55th Regiment of Foot, who the colonel was, where the regiment was taken, and the period that the muster represents. So they are always quarterly. If you have a, a, a muster description which says, for example, the regiment and then 1874 to 1875, the 74 will be the last six months of the year, 75 will be the first six months of that year. So if you want to do a 12-month calendar period, you will need to look at two volumes of musters. Now any given volume of muster, because it covers a um, 12-month period, it'll actually cover four musters, each muster being a three-month period. Now you will get um, the beyond 
the numbers of people involved in this case of this one the proof table which tells you how many people were in the regiment uh, at any given rank and in a given date you can then go on and start following information about individuals so you have here for example a muster from from the 55th showing people uh, joining the regiment on particular days not everybody always joined on the, the first day of the month so you have for example uh, Edmund Baines who joined on the 14th of November and, and that goes up through till the end of the, the muster period which will be the end of December musters are, are very popular because they are in many cases the only records that show an individual serving in a given regiment at a given time and perhaps this is more important if you have an individual who dies in service as death is a termination of contract so the severance of any financial connection between the individual and the, and the estate uh, and the state the musters are a way of following a man's career you start and look at a muster knowing when an individual served um, so you may pick a particular date. You can then work backwards chronologically, muster after muster, looking for an individual and, and when they first joined that regiment. You can also use the musters to work forwards chronologically to see when somebody um, disappears from that regiment. Now, people may d d leave a regiment for a number of different reasons. Of course, death in service is the, the most obvious one, whether it's th through being killed in action, died of disease, died of wounds. You might find that the regiment, for example, that is posted overseas um, is worn out to come home. So an individual transfers out of one regiment and into another so that he can stay, for example, in India where um, his pay may have gone further. So you may need to then obviously look on into the, the muster for the new regiment. And of course, if somebody's transferred into a regiment, you may also need to look in um, to the regiment that an individual transferred in from. That way you get up the whole of a man's career. Um, men, many men stayed a, a long, for long periods, tens of years in India, transferring from regiment to regiment to stay. Of course, if an individual um, does a full pensionable term in the army, um, you would expect to find that their record of service in WO97. Now, whilst it is possible now that these records have been digitised to search by name, if you're dealing with a common name, you may find um, that if you combine the name and your, the known regiment into the um, WO97 collection and, and it fails to produce any results, it may be because the individual that you're interested in although described, for example, on a census as being a Chelsea pensioner, he may have actually transferred into another regiment and been discharged from a regiment of which you're unaware. So this is where the musters become more important. Now, if we move on to this next slide, you will see that you've got lists of people being promoted or joining um, a regiment, so numbers added to or promoted in the regiment since in a given date and then you actually get effective dates. So you get, for example, lance sergeants being promoted to sergeants, corporals to sergeants, lance corporals to corporal. So, of course, you, you can get a, a, an interesting indication of a man's career. You will also get numbers discontinued, for example. So you get Sergeant Stafford, who dies in service in 1882, 
an individual who's discharged, an individual who's transferred, an individual who is, for example, Charles Clark, who's appointed to a commission. Um, you also get, for example, just sneaking in at the bottom, an individual who's been reduced to the rank of corporal. So without having what I call the maximum amount of information for the minimum amount of effort, a muster can actually give you the whole career of a soldier in just in one record series. You know where he is in any quarter of a given year, you know how much he's being paid, you know the rank he is. If obviously he is wounded, um, it may be recorded. Moving on, um, this is a muster for the 55th foot for the um, period in 1855 when the 55th foot, which became the uh, 2nd Battalion Border Regiment, took part in the Battle of Alma on the 20th of September 1854. So you get, for example, two individuals, one wounded 20th of September but sent to Scutari, another one wounded uh, but sent on board ship, so whether it was on board a hospital ship. So again, it's these little minute details that the musters um, could pass on. If an individual um, was not accompanied, for example, by um, his wife, there was a, a list called the married establishment, which I'll talk about a little bit more in due course, you sometimes find that, off, that um, ordinary soldiers remitted certain parts of their pay back to their uh, spouses back here in the UK, and that would of course mean the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland at this time. So here you have a page of musters for individuals who uh, are sending back one pound, one shilling and one pence, or perhaps just one pound, back to their wives. So you have the name of the soldier in reverse, so Private William Hogan, Hagen, um, here remitting a, uh, a one pound, and that's the name of his wife. It's always a useful way of proving that an individual was married at, at, at a given time. Moving on um, to um, musters and recording uh, individuals, you have, for example, here uh, a muster for the um, 55th foot again for the Crimean War period. For example, Private John Moffat, 3461 Private John Moffat, who was sent to Scutari on the... Um, 2nd of February, I think, 1855. And then, um, obviously, we can move on back to the regimental muster. So here you have John Moffat again, 3461, formerly 2662, the 13th Light Infantry, the Somerset Light Infantry. And then the muster moves on to show you that he went to Scutari on the 4th of January. Uh, and he died at Scutari on the 7th of February 1855. So it's a very useful way of, of building up an individual's career. Now, the responsibility for compiling musters was vested in the hands of the pay sergeant, uh, so he would record all kinds of things. You have obviously the promotions, demotions, the fines, the, the good conduct pay all awarded and mentioned in the muster. But um, you will also find a thing, especially in the 1860s, 70s, 80s, of what's called the married establishment. If an individual soldier asked permission of his commanding officer to marry, he could then be taken on board what's called the married establishment, which a certain number of wives were permitted to live and travel at government expense. And they are listed in the married establishment. Now, the interesting thing, obviously, you get the name and date of 
uh, the name of the spouse, the date and place of marriage. You will also get the dates of birth and or the number of children, in many cases the names. So if you have children born overseas, it's sometimes worthwhile looking at the musters. Um, but if an individual didn't see, seek permission, he's not always going to be on, um, his wife will be on the, the married establishment. Now the pay sergeants, obviously, you could also say, had a duty of care to make sure that all the information is accurately recorded. I can guarantee that anybody who looks at any musters, they will find quite often that um, numbers of regimental numbers are transposed, letters uh, of surnames are, uh, surnames are misspelt. So you have to be very, very diligent when looking through um, the musters to get the most out of them. But perhaps it's some of the more unusual things that you might find recorded in a muster. You will see from this slide, this last slide, there are two individuals here called Michael Dowling, 1569 Michael Dowling and 1678 Michael Dowling. They were both sergeants. Now what's interesting is the fact that this muster has both got them recorded with exactly the same dates and both bracketed together. And it actually says, embarked England insane. Now, one Michael Dowling survived to be discharged to pension. The other Michael Dowling took part in the Second Afghan War. The individual who took part in the Second Afghan War potentially, and I say potentially, died in service, serving with a, one of the, what's now the Territorial Army, the, one of the militia battalions in Kingston in the early 1880s. But the fact that you have two men of the same name, yes, with different numbers, but bracketed together, both being sent back from the regiment who were at this time serving in, in Quetta, which is now in Pakistan, um, and invalided back to England insane, raises the question of whether or not it really was two individuals or one. Now, I know from looking in the musters and the surviving record of service for one Michael Dowling that at one stage he was the pay sergeant so there is a potential here that an individual may have been uh, what I would describe as a creative accountant. The important thing about using any of the uh, army musters is to ensure that you identify specifically the muster that you need. The musters in W016, which although they finish in 1898, are really only effective up to about 1890. The last eight years of the series deal with people working in the depots or recruits. So if you're the person you're interested in is serving with a battalion overseas, you may not find uh, a muster. It is also important to understand the organisation of the army, um, simply because the musters in WR16 are either identified by the name of the regiment, so for example the border regiment, but also it could be identified by what's called the regimental district. Now the border regiment was originally the 34th and the 55th regiments of foot and its regimental district was 34. So you need to have a, quite a good understanding of the British Army, its identities and the changes at various dates in order to get the most out of the regimental muster and pay lists. My final words are really about the series WO10, the Royal Artillery Musters. There are, there's a two-volume work called Battery Records of the Royal Artillery by MES Laws. Now, the Royal Artillery, between 1708 and 1878, um, was changed. Its, its organisation was changed on, on a number of different occasions. 
Laws will tell you where any given battery or brigade is serving at any given time. Um, so if you're interested in an artilleryman and you know where he was at a given time, it may be worthwhile looking at battery records of the Royal Artillery first, simply because it'll tell you who was where and when, but more importantly, it will, will tell you specifically the regimental um, musters and the document references from WO10 in order to get the most out of the, the Royal Artillery musters. If you're interested in musters after 1898, I have to report that they no longer survive. Um, it's really dominant in the 19th century. The musters are, are very interesting. They were also used for a number of other reasons, apart from obviously accounting for people. Anybody who took part in a particular battle or campaign, that would be annotated on the muster. So in many cases, the musters are frequently used as the working documents from which the regiments would create the medal rolls of lists of, of um, people entitled to given campaign medals. If you look at the regimental muster and pay lists for the 16th Lancers in WO12 for the period of the First and Second Sikh Wars, you may well find that the musters are annotated with the medal entitlement to show you that it is an interesting working document. Thank you very much. Copyright the National Archives. All rights reserved.